This is um, like, the, I guess this is episode 13 of Pals with Bill Wadman, and I have Paul Gerdak here, who is uh, an amateur, would you call yourself an amateur pilot? Is that the correct term for that? Private pilot. Private pilot. Private pilot, single engine land. Not sea. No. Is that what you mean by land? Yes. Okay. And you're, you're how old? You're like in your early 60s? 64. 64. Did you always want to fly? I can remember hunting when I was about 12 years old. I remember laying in a field, the sun's going down, just breathtakingly beautiful red sky, thinking I would never, ever be able to go up there. And I wanted to, but I didn't think that my life would ever bring me to that point. I was wrong. Yeah. So even when you were a little kid, you wanted to fly? Yeah. Yeah. We had about 50 model airplanes hanging from the ceiling in my room. Oh, really? On wires. Yep. So you were obsessed from a young age. My brother and I. So how long did it take before you actually made that a reality? Oh, good Lord, 1976. Okay, so you were in your 30s? Yeah. What 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 made the change? Was, was it like, oh, I spent the 20s and I didn't get to fly, so I'm going to make a point of actually making this a reality? Well, as I told you earlier, I took the, uh, the armed services exam. I yeah. did really well. And everybody wanted me, but nobody would let me fly because I wore glasses. So I did not go into the military for that reason. And I started to work for General Electric in Ludlow, Vermont, making aircraft engine parts, jet engine parts, in which that, will come into the story again later on. In that, in that, in that uh, old factory that the, now has the... Uh, it's all woolen mill. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Now it's condos. How long, how long did GE have a factory there? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I can't remember. It was there when you were a kid? Oh, yes. My father worked there his whole life, his what, what, whole working life. What, tur- what the turbine parts? What they make there? Jet engine parts. Okay. Yep. yep. And where were those sent? Where, where's their ultimate place that they build those things? Um, Evendale, Ohio, I think, is the big one for GE. Okay, so everything gets shipped out there and then all put together out there. Uh, yep. All right, so you're working at the place, you're making parts. Yeah, for about a year and a half, making some money. I started going to school at Vermont Technical College. And I was going to be an a electromechanical engineer. I'm sitting at a drafting table one day in a beautiful day, and I realized I can't do this for a living. So I went back to work for GE again. You just didn't think you'd like had it in yet? Like, oh, God, I don't want to sit at a drafting table all day long. You're right. I can't. I can't sit in a building all day. You no. need to be more hands-on. Yep. Okay. Got to. And so you went back to GE. Went back to GE. I worked there for... A year and a half, I made enough money, so I had money put away for school. And I'm just thinking in my mind, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want? What do I want? Um, I want to do something that's difficult and mechanical. Aircraft. Let's right. do that. Yeah. What else is there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I spent 19 straight months at East Coast Aerotechnical College in. Uh, Lexington, Mass. It was in Lexington, and it was also on the airport there, Hanscom Air Force Base. It would spread around a little bit. Yeah. And what what kind of what kind of stuff were you working on there? Like uh, piston engines, or we pretty much comp, you know pretty much con- concentrated on piston engines. Yes, yeah. very little to do with jet engines. Um, we even did the old uh, dope and fabric repairs. What is that? Um, well, most of the older airplanes are all metal, but they're covered in 
in fabric. Oh, right, right. That's 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 dunked in or or, or covered in like it's a metallic paint. Painted on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. You paint on. It's called dope. It's the covering that they use. Yeah. There's nitrate dope and butyrate dope. Nitrate's the first coat mandatory, and then you go to butyrate dope. Nitrate's quite flammable. And that's a so that's a weather, or I mean a, a weight issue. That's yeah, why they very do that. weight sensitive. Even today, they make bush planes that way, just to save pounds. Yeah, fabric covered metal structure. So, so how'd you end up? How did you did you buy a plane first, or did you fly somebody else's plane? Learn on somebody else's plane? No, it's a long, long story. But it seems like my life has always been guided by circumstances. Yeah, and I graduated from East Coast Aerotech, high honors, all that stuff, and I went back to Ludlow and I skied for a month. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was February I got out and I skied for an entire month up on Okemo Mountain. And then the fellow up on the hill named Jerry Martell, he was a naval commander, knew Andrew Deeds up in Burlington, Vermont, knew that he ran a small airline, suggested I go up there. I was hired that night. Really? Yep. To do what, as a mechanic? As a mechanic. My good friend later on, Paul Young, and I showed up at the same time, and we both got jobs the same night. Interesting. And we've been friends for years ever since. And what was it like working on an working on airline engines or airplane engines for an airline? Is it stressful? It was uh, we had five twin otters. Uh, you've seen the airplane, yeah, yeah. high wing twin engine turboprop airplane. Yeah, they still make those, passenger. or are they all just the old ones? Pardon me. They still make those, or are they all? There's a place the, called Viking that took over the type certificate and is still making that airplane. Really? Okay. For for like we were talking up in Alaska, down the bush, that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. There's all kinds of them in India. They put them yeah. on floats off the coast of India. They've got like 20 of those things on floats. They're indestructible, these things. Very tough airplane. Yeah, which is what you want in nasty conditions. Yes, and the Northeast has some of the nastiest weather you can think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where did they fly? What were the routes? Uh, we did a lot of the North Country all the way out to Buffalo, all the way down to Washington, D.C. And a lot of these were supported by the government. Uh, I can't think of the name of it now. The essential air service is what it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're okay. guaranteed a certain number of seats when you fly into that particular airport. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the government subsidizes. Yeah, so if you just don't fill the airplane up, the government. It's fine. Yeah, subsidize. it doesn't make a difference. It's yeah, essential air service. Okay. Is that still around? I believe it is. I believe that's the only reason that Rutland uh, has a service. Rutland has an airport? That's well, a, that has consumer service? like Rutland has service? an airline that flies in there. I can't think of their name right now. But I believe they're still flying piston-powered twin-engine airplanes into Rutland. Wow. Okay. So so you're fixing airplane engines. You're around the planes all the time. Yep. At what point does somebody say, hey, you want to go up and sit in the cockpit with me? I did. Uh, a guy named uh, Deems, I can't think of his first name right now, asked me one morning if I wanted to fly the co-pilot seat in a twin otter. And that was 1976. I had a great time. Yeah. I said, that's it. I'm going to be a pilot. Had you, I mean, obviously, you would probably you'd flown, a, flown a bunch commercially before that. No. Really? Okay. No. So was that mind-blowing after thinking about it since you were 12? When I was 12 years old. Bob Smith took me for a ride out of Smithfield. Oh, and his little I plane. hadn't flown since then. And I have not, not a very good memory of that time. But I do remember my twin otter ride in the co-pilot seat. It was Bill Deems, who was his name, chief pilot. Was it uh, scary or were you just elated? I was thrilled. <laughs> I was not scared. 
this guy's got thousands of hours. He's never wrecked an airplane. I'm safe. Yeah. 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 But it was, you know, some people just find the whole thing. Like I went up with you. What's the plane you fly now? It's a Cessna. Cessna 172. Okay. First year they made them, 1956. Yeah, that, that airplane's that old? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yep. But see, I went up with you and I was just telling uh, Ed earlier that, you know, it's like I went up with you and, and I wouldn't have gone up with anybody, but I'll go up with you because I trust you. You know what I mean? There's a lot of that with small airplanes, yeah. right? Where it's, oh, yeah. it's, you know, I know that the person who's taking me up is not going to screw up, is going to know what to do if something goes wrong. Yeah. You know. You have to think that. If you don't, you shouldn't be flying. Right. You have to know that you're going to handle whatever comes up. You have to know that, yeah, I'll probably wreck the airplane, but I'll probably walk away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did, so you flew the little airplane, and then how, what's the process of, of getting a, a, a license, a private license? Oh, um, it's... Uh, it, has it changed over the years? I think it's... Uh, a private pilot single engine land is uh, 20 hours of solo, 20 hours of dual. Okay. Dual instruction. Okay. So 40 hours total. Which isn't and, that outrageous. No. You go up for an hour at a time, 40 times or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, about that. And you go up, is, is the idea, is there a lot of stuff on land or on the ground training stuff that happens? Or is it really, <laughs> you get in the airplane and you go up with the guy and he's showing you what you're trying to follow, what he does. And exactly. About. Well, nowadays, I would say that you have a lot of ground instruction. I never had ground instruction from any of my instructors. I sat down and read a book so I could pass a test. Right. And is, is, is that test similar to the driving test where it's like, how many feet can you do? And it's like, oh, the answer is 30 because they tell me that 30 is the amount of feet I need to stop or the stop sign or whatever. You know what I mean? You know how the dr- Yeah. There's a written test and then there's the flight test with a flight examiner. So it's not your instructor. It's actually a third-party examiner no, it's for the designated state. FAA examiner. Oh, it's a federal. It could be your instructor. Okay. Well, in my case, it was not. Okay. And they, they sit down with you, they get in the plane, just like a driver's test. All right, take off, parallel park, <laughs> come and land. Yes. And, and that's basically it. Yeah, demonstrate uh, the ability to hold altitude, the ability to circle around a point and not lose altitude or cross control or mess up, yeah. stall it, uh, accelerated stalls, uh, you know, uh, power off stalls. Pretty basic stuff. And then, and then when I did it, we were, they were still teaching spins, which they don't anymore. Explain. Um, they, they considered it too dangerous, and there was too many people dying demonstrating spins. Okay. So they removed it from the uh, criteria. They made you have to do a spin? I don't remember if it was mandatory or not, but he wanted me to, and I did, because I'd done them before. It didn't scare me at all. Right, right. Have, you, you ever, have, have there been situations when you actually have been scared, like— where, where your adrenaline really kicked up and you were like, oh, boy, this could go bad. I've had an engine failure on takeoff, and I don't remember being scared. I just remember being mechanical in everything that I did. Yeah, I know what to do. Yes, I remember my training, and I did exactly what I was supposed to do, and I stopped the airplane before I collided with the trees. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so it failed, and you're just like, break, 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 break. I was in the air. Oh, you were in the air. If it was five more seconds, I would have been chopping wood. Wow. See that? Yeah, that's. See, those are the sort of the scary situations, right? Yeah. Um, did but you you're f- not scared. You're doing this automatically. You've yeah. been trained to do this. Everything's in your head. I, and it, it, I, I remember. You know, you you and I have both read all kinds of books about astronauts and listened to interviews oh, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those guys. It's like, no, you don't get nervous until you run out of options. Yeah. I have time, and I have things I haven't tried yet. Yeah. So right, until right. those are spent, then 
then I get nervous. I've got a third of the runway left. I'm five feet in the air. I can probably stop this airplane. Yeah. Because there's an uphill grade, too, and that's going to slow me down. Yep, 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 yep. Gravity's working for you. Yep. Did, did you ever want to become a commercial pilot? The thought crossed my mind, but at the time, I did not like the life that they had, and they made a far less money than I was making. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I knew, I knew a guy once who was like a 737 pilot for yep. somebody. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad, nasty job. Yeah. If you start out as a co-pilot, you get the worst, the worst routes. Yeah, Absolutely for, the worst. And yeah, you're not for years, you're flying kids. Buffalo to Burlington or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 And you're stuck overnight in Utica, New York, or... Rochester, New York, or yeah. something like that for days on end. Yeah. And you don't see your family. Yeah. You know, we were talking the other night about the the guy out in Seattle. Yeah. Who suddenly just seemed to get in a plane and take off. Yep. You think it's outrageous? Do you think he knew more than he says he knew? Or do you think he actually could figure out how to take off in that plane? I think he could probably go online right now and figure out how to start that airplane up. Yeah. Once you got started. Start it, turn it. If I've got throttle and I can pull up on the on, yep. the on the things, I can get into the air. Go down the runway, watch your airspeed, which you probably know all about from being yeah. on the internet. Yeah. You, can watch, you can watch them land a 737 on the internet. You know yeah. exactly what they're doing, all the controls. Although, as we said, the 737 probably lands itself nowadays. Yeah, you can program it to <laughs> land itself. But uh, it's, it, you ever fly any flight simulators? I've flown simulators, yes. I've flown a Saab SF340 down the streets of San Antonio, Texas. Was it uh, accurate, the way the plane handled? Oh, I should tell you this story. All right. <clears throat> My friend Jim Angelino and I are in the simulator. I'm flying in the right seat. He's in the left seat. We've done all our maintenance checks. We've performed quite well, and the instructor's happy. He says, listen, we've got another hour of time. What would you like to do? We want to fly the simulator, full motion simulator. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, Jim is in the left seat at this time, and we take off out of San Antonio, and it's very real. The sounds and everything is real. Yeah. And you actually believe that you are flying after a certain amount of time, and Jim did. Well, the instructor threw two problems at him at once, and one of them was a loss of oil pressure in the right-hand engine gearbox. Okay. And Jim caught the one, but he didn't catch the other one. And I'm trying to tell Jim, the instructor pushes on my shoulders, don't say anything. <laughs> so we keep going. And now there's a fire alarm because they've run out of oil. And now the right-hand engine's caught on yeah. fire. And he's freaking out. And the instructor's back there at his panel. And, you know, Jim goes and shoots the fire bottle off. Fire keeps burning. Shoots the other fire bottle off. The fire keeps burning. Cross cross uh, cross controls from the other engines fire bottles. Tries to put it out the right engine, can't put it out. Instructor won't let him. So now Jim thinks he's really flying this airplane, right? And he's got a big problem. The right engine's on fire. Yeah, your brain clicks into that mode and doesn't understand. And he's in he's in like a he's in a mode now where I'm in really big trouble. Yeah. Well, the instructor lets the engine burn and the wing falls off. <clears throat> so now the simulator rocks hard to the right and aims yeah. straight down to the ground. Takes a dive, yeah. And you can see the ground coming up, and it looks very, very real. Yeah. And we hit. And Jim sits there, white as a ghost, for probably a minute. And he turns to me and he says, I know what it's like to die. Wow. It was so real to him. What year was this? Oh, it was in the 80s. I can't give you an so example. So could you imagine what the modern ones are like? 
This was a modern full I mean, motion you know, 30 years, years later. You know, know what right. I mean? They're much better now. I mean, the pilots, graphics have to be orders of magnitude better. Pilots can actually log that time. As, as flight time? Yes. For, for big planes, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Because you can't do in the big plane what you can do in a simulator. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. True. Plus, you know, those big planes... There's, it's all fly by wire now, anyway, right? Like, so yeah. what's the difference between flying a fake one and a real one? Yeah, exactly. As long as it's accurate. And the video was fantastic. Was was the was the the airplane type that you guys were flying something you had flown before, or was it like a, a new type for you guys? It was a new airplane that we were getting, a Saab SF340, which was very modern for the time. It was a five EFIS uh, screen, or excuse me, three EFIS screens. Electronic flight control, electronic displays, TV yeah. screens, yeah. Yep. big ones. And it displays all your data. Yep. Very nice. Yeah. So your navigation, your, your attitude, your, you know, everything is there on screens. It's beautiful. And you can punch buttons. You can change information, move them from screen to screen, everything else. It was very nice. High tech at the time. The airplane had a lot of carbon fiber in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had, you had a different plane before the Cessna, though, right? I did. I had a Piper Colt. Which is similar performance to your Cessna? No. It was 108 horsepower, two-seat fabric covers, all-metal airplane. Oh, okay. And this one's a four-seat. How many horsepower on this guy? 145. Okay, so 50% <clears throat> more. The Colt, I took. I bought the Colt from my friend Paul Young. I told you about him earlier. He's a good yeah. friend of mine. He moved down to Atlanta to work for uh, Delta Airlines. He wanted to work on the big stuff. He moved back. He didn't like it. Yeah. But anyway, I bought the airplane from him, and I flew it down to Smithfield in Ludlow, Vermont, and I took it apart, brought it up to my dad's house, and made a tailwheel airplane out of a tricycle gear airplane. Now, how, what's the legality of that kind of thing? Do you have to get it inspected by... I did have to have it... No, I don't think we did. I believe that... Uh, yes, I did. I have to have a 337 signed off, yes. But it, it was... a. Uh, I can't think of a name of it right now. STC or whatever, snare type certificate. This was a uh, certified modification that I could do. Oh, okay. Still make it legal. Still make it a, a normal category airplane. You, you know, you told me of stories in the past about people finding because with airplanes, it's all about certain chunks of the frame that that have are sort of the designation of the airplane. You know, sort of the receiver of the gun, if you will, where that is the part that actually is registered. So people buy find and buy junked airplanes and rebuild them yes. just for kind of the VIN number, as it were. Yes. Exactly. Of, of how, so w w how does that work? Is, it, uh, is that an international database of all the planes that have ever been made and that kind of thing? The logbooks are everything. If you want to have a certified aircraft and not an experimental aircraft, you have to have the logbooks and the data plate. Okay. So you can buy an airplane that's been up on the side of a mountain for 20 years. As long as somebody has the logbooks for it, and the data plate is available on the airplane, yeah. you can bring that airplane down as long as a part of that fuselage is the original, then it's a repair. Rebuild it all. Yeah. And people do that. Yeah. What, what, where's the line between experimental planes? Certified and experimental is a big deal when it comes to money later on selling the airplane. Okay. Experimental is something that you built. Yeah. It's legal for you to maintain it. Because you built it, you yeah. don't have to go to anybody else. You basically self-certify the airplane. But you can't sell it. You can sell it. You can sell them. Okay. But the guy that buys the airplane is no longer able to uh, do what you used to do. 
and certify that the airplane is the airway that it can fly because you knew everything about it. You built it. Now he has to have somebody else, a yeah. airframe and power plant mechanical mechanic, go, okay, this airplane is airworthy. You can fly it again. So the experimental people, like, you know, you have the Burt Rutans of the world who have companies that just build all kinds of different designs all the time. Yeah. They don't have the FAA coming out and, and certifying those things? or, or they, they, they would. They would also, the FAA does have to look at your experimental airplane and say, yes, you've done it according to plans, or yes, you've done everything in a safe manner. Your wells are good. Yeah. All your fittings are well made. It's not yeah. going to fall apart. Right. They yeah. will not let you fly until it is examined by an FAA exam. Oh, okay. You know, when we were driving over here from dinner, we were talking about how modern German cars, like maybe they were a little better back in the day or like when they were a little less complicated, or maybe stuff was built better, tested better. Maybe. I don't know. You know, yeah. it's question mark. Is the same true of airplanes? Was there a golden age of airplanes where they were, you know, solid enough, but and, and maybe lasted longer than a modern plane would? Or, or have airplanes kind of gone up and up? I can't really speak to that because I have not been in the general aviation realm is so long. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, everything now is pretty much carbon fiber if you want to go fast. Right. Yeah. The, you know, the Cirrus line. Yeah. Uh, all these home builds, uh, well, a lot of the home builds, home builds now are, are also metal. Yeah, you buy these kits. Yeah. And you build them up in your garage yeah. and then you take them out. But the Burt Rutans, they were all fiberglass and foam and carbon fiber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He came out with some weird design plans over the years. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Is he, is he like one of those guys in that industry? I mean, obviously, he's one of the guys that I know in that industry. But, I mean, yeah, even within the industry, he's respected as like, wow, that guy comes up with some crazy stuff. Yeah, well, well, Paul Young and I were out at Oshkosh in 2013. We flew out there, yeah. spent the week camping is that, out. Is that an annual way. thing, the Oshkosh thing? Oh, yes. What, when is that? Uh, it's the end of July. So this is like all airplane people from all over the country go to Ohio? No, it's Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin, Oshkosh, I'm sorry. Wisconsin. Sorry, my bad. Yep. Okay, so everyone just goes out there and hangs out. and It's, and- it's, it's unbelievable to turn final to land in Oshkosh because you can't believe there's that many airplanes. Is it that big of a field anyway? Yes, it's enormous. Is it just, is it just because they have the land and it's cheap yes. out there and they can just have a huge yep, it is. field? Yeah, there's... There's room for everything out there. All right. So what kind of stuff shows up there? Everything. Okay. <laughs> Old military planes. Yeah. 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 Russian, Classic. You know, Russian jets owned by private pilots now. Yeah. Who the hell's buying a Russian MiG? I don't know. They, there's a <laughs> private F-4 Phantom flying this year at Oshkosh. Really? Yes. It's incredible. These people have a lot of money. Okay. So, so you're out there at Oshkosh with your friend. Yep. Okay. I'm sorry, where was that story going? Oh, I forgot. Oh, we were talking about Burt Rutan. Burt Rutan. Well, we're out there, and it was a Burt tried to get all his airplane designs that he could to this show. So I'm out there going through this stuff and looking, and I go, this is really cool, Paul. And he taps me on his shoulders, and Burt Rutan's right behind you. And once he said that, there was such a crowd that Burt had to leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, no kidding. Yeah. He's got the chops, though, right? Doesn't yeah, he have, like, he's the, the so chop, he's very he very stands out. He had a silly hat on, sunglasses, yeah, yeah. but everybody knew it was him. Yeah, yeah. And he was just surrounded instantly. Not in good health, that guy, right? He's, in, he's still yeah, alive, he, isn't he? I, but I don't know how what his health is right now. He's still trying to finish his ski goal, his latest uh, creation. Yeah, water, uh, land. 
Yeah. Swamp, whatever. But he had some planes in like the 70s and stuff, like his earlier planes you can buy kits of and oh, yeah. kind of build yeah, those, right? Still building, yep. Weird stuff with the single propeller in the back behind the behind the, the where yeah. you sit and that kind of stuff. Yeah, the long, easy, the very easy. The, you know, yeah, the Vigan was the first one. And those are fun, stable planes as far <clears> as you know? They're still making them. So weird. John Denver was killed on a long, easy, but that was because of a screw up by the guy that built it, a deviation from the plans and this, where he put the fuel selector. Oh, really? Yeah. So the guy didn't know where it was or? or... Well, the, the fuel selector was in such an odd place to be able to switch tanks. Um, this was a big problem. And John Denver wanted to change later on, but he decided to fly the airplane that day with the fuel selector where it was. And to change the fuel selector, he actually put his hand or his foot or his knee or something on the controls and nose it right into the ocean. Are you serious? That's how he died? Yeah, that's what they determined in the end. They he, thought it was suicide, but later on they said no. No, he just made a mistake. Yeah. The guy that built the airplane made a mistake. Yeah. When they, when If private pilots crash, is that an NTSB? Absolutely. So they, they look at commercial and private air, air crash, air sure. accidents. Yep. How bad of an accident is? Is it any time one crashes, or is it like when it's suspiciously crashed? Um, uh, this is tough. I can't tell you exact uh, number, but it has to do with uh, how many thousands of dollars worth of damage the airplane has sustained, and if people went to the hospital. Oh, okay. Physical right. injuries to the occupants. Yeah, 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 yeah. To be considered an accident. Sure. I mean, there's people that smash up airplanes all the time, and. You know, they don't get reported. Yeah. There's not enough damage or nobody got hurt. Yeah, right, 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 right. I banged it up. I ruined the the the, the wheels or the landing gear. Yeah. Crash broke the wing, but we we walked away, so therefore we just got to rebuild it. It's on my problem. Yeah, it just happened a couple of years ago up in the islands there. A guy crashes their airplane landing up there, and somehow the sheriff found out about it, and he went ballistic because nobody reported it. And I have no idea how that ended. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, they could have taken an airplane apart and taken it away, and nobody would have been the wiser. Yeah. 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 What about, uh, so what airplanes have you flown? Oh, I don't know. I can't tell you how many. Yeah. I try to get in everything I can. Yeah. yeah. You, you you were up in a biplane recently, or, or, or you've been up in one before. Yeah. I really like it. It was a lot of fun. I want to I, I wanna fly uh, rides this fall down Lodla with that biplane. What, so, why, why are biplanes, because people do acrobatics with the biplanes. They do, you know, lots of spins and twists and corkscrews and all that kind of stuff. What what about a biplane allows that to happen more easily? Well, you can do planes? it in a monoplane, too. But the biplanes, it flies slower. It's got okay. a lot of drag. And that makes it easier to do that stuff? Somewhat. I and mean, it's, it's pretty robust, too. This airplane is a Marquardt Charger MA5. It's a home-built. Oh, that, oh, okay. The one it's you're, a home the one you're it's a, it's a steel tube fuselage with completely wooden wings. The whole thing's fabric covered. Two seater, two seats, front and back. Just yeah. a, you know, it's just a it's a two holer we call it. Yep. And you can look over either side of the airplane because it fits you pretty tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's quite the view. I'd imagine. Well, well my friend Cody took me up in it uh, for my first ride, and he said. Uh, Okay, I've set the power, set everything. He says, do whatever you want. You can't break this airplane. I said, really? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> So yeah. I just had a blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had a blast. I can't break it. 
So we put it in a you know ninety degree turn and just pull hard. Yeah, <clears throat> it, it just hook. does it. And it's you've got inverted inverted fuel. Fly it upside down. Yeah, for like thirty seconds. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, it's like driving a Porsche on the road, and you know you can go around that corner at sixty because exactly it'll, you do it'll the just sit at there. ninety with a Porsche, and you can only do it at sixty in your car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, 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 yeah. right. But even you know when you and I are up there, even in your little guy, you're just like, look, there's you could turn this hard, and it. It'll take it. Yeah. There's very little that you couldn't do. One of the things that I found really interesting, and I've told this story to friends of mine after I went up with you, is that anytime you were going to touch any controls, you verbally told me what you were doing as you were doing it. You said, you would say, oh, I'm, I'm going to reach up here and, and, you know, do whatever. Change okay. the trim. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, because, you know, we're listening a little to the left or whatever it is. I'm going to trim a little bit to the right. And it was a really interesting way of doing it because, like, I, as the other person in the plane, knew exactly what you were doing as you were doing it. Yeah. Is that a, is that a common thing or is that just something you like to it's do? something I try to do. I try to, uh, I try to give as many rides as I can. I want to expose as many people as I can. And some people are thrilled and other people are like, I'll never do that again. Yeah. Yeah. They don't care, which is fine with me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I told you a story about the one young man I took off one evening in the summer. Changed, changed his life. His life. Yeah. I couldn't believe I had done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was going to go into the Army the next day and sign up as a diesel mechanic. And after that short flight with me, he says, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to be a pilot. I'm going to do this for a living. Yeah. I go, oh, my God, I Loved changed this so guy's much. whole life. Loved it so much. Yeah. You know, you, sometimes you watch those, uh, you know, the the, the, the little weird wooden trainers they used to train guys in world war ii and world war one on yes you know because like they weren't going to stick them in a plane or they didn't have enough planes yeah so they would teach them in these little boxes like some of those guys really had that little training yeah. when they started flying yeah no wonder so many of them got shot down they or got shot down and died yeah because that's the best they could do at the time later on in world war ii the pilots were much more skilled and they went into the theaters right <clears throat> Which is why the U.S. did so well. The yeah, Air Force. You, you last the first two weeks, you'd probably be okay. Yeah. But you could get killed the first day out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, 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 you've you kind of learned the dumb stuff not to do yeah. in the first two weeks or whatever it is. And the Germans, they've been flying since the Spanish Civil War. Right. They're experienced. Yeah, 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 yeah. Better than Americans. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting the domination that the American Air Force has had in the world for the last 60, 70 years. You know, yeah. I mean, other than little guys like Israel has a really good air force or whatever it is, but nowhere near the size of the American one or whatever it is. Well, they've got our equipment. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And air dominance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Do, do you think, you know, right now the, the pretty much there's commercial stuff. It's Boeing and it's Airbus for yeah. the big guys. Yeah. There's a lot of small manufacturers that make commuter airplanes. Yeah. You know? Like Bombardier and, and, yeah. and, and all those ones, right? I'm yeah, going to find Embraer, one of those tonight. Bombardier, yeah. 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 Do, do, do you see it as a strategic requirement that we keep Boeing in business for America? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I know. Um, well, it's an enormous company. It's not going to go anywhere. It's only going to get bigger. Yeah. And they have so many subsidiaries all over the place making parts for them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're enormous in their own right, like Spirit. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They're making fuselages, complete fuselages. Have you been out to the factory in, in Seattle? No, I have not. It's pretty, I've never been to Washington. It's uh, it's pretty amazing standing up on the on the rafters watching these things go down the line. 
and just thinking they're putting together this giant. When we were there, it was one of the last 747s because they've stopped. They're just stopping making the 747s. Yeah, you know, which is crazy. There's hundreds of those things in the world. Yeah, one still flying from the 70s. I've you know? watched assembly lines. I watched the uh, Fokker making the F-28. I've been on that assembly line. They're also making the F-16 over there. Where's uh, that? Amsterdam. Oh, yeah? Yep. That's where they make those? And uh, I spent a month in Belfast, Northern Ireland, Shorts Brothers. Yeah. Because we bought short SD3s, Ash 30s. Yeah. And uh, I was watching assembling those. So you have a couple wings sitting in your in the rafters of your garage. Yeah, they're 140 wings. What's your plan? Cessna 140 wings. My plan is a 172. That's a project that I might get going on. I, I want to save those wings. I bought a whole bunch of stuff. I sold off a complete airplane that I had. And uh, I saved all those wings because uh, there's a home-built, I was thinking about building, called a Bacon Deuce. And there's a version of it that uses Cessna 140 wings. Yeah. Which would cut down my build time a lot. If you had the wings already. Yeah. Yeah. Then my fuselage would be the only thing that would be fabric-covered, and the wings would be all metal because they were metalized. They were formerly fabric-covered, but there's an STC, standard-type certificate, to change the wings to metal covering. Okay, and that, that, those wings are metal-covered already? Yeah, and they will be much more impervious to the weather. The fabric outside is not going to last a long time. And not up here? No, the sun. Yeah, oh, okay, it's the sun, not the yeah. not ice and stuff. So what is the what is the uh, so how, where do you go where do you buy these parts? Is there like places out in the Midwest that just sell fuselage parts and then you buy no, them? No, this would be a home build. I would build a fuselage myself. Oh, really? From scratch? I'm a half decent welder. Yeah, so I could weld that. I welded up so many Fokker F27 seats. I can't tell you. Oh, that's cool. And then what kind of engine? How does that work? What about the engine? Yeah, you'd, you'd buy an engine and, and stick it in there. I would probably buy a mid-time engine or a run-out engine and overhaul it. The same thing I did to the 172. When we bought that airplane, it had done an emergency landing over in Livermore Falls, Maine. It had broken a piston. And the fellow that owned the airplane did an emergency landing over there. And he was dating my my boss's daughter, and he wanted to know if we were interested at all. And Arl talked to me, and I said, yes, we want it. Yeah, let's pull it apart. It's a 1956. It's got the the O300 six-cylinder, good-running, dependable, smooth motor. Yeah. So we went over there and looked at it, and then we uh, came back here. That was a a ride in a Cessna 182 that was a rat. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. and we went back over with trucks and took it all apart and brought it back. And See, I overhauled the engine. Is that fun for you? Or is that a challenge for you or both? What? Overhauling a, a, a six-cylinder. Cool, I knew I was going to be sitting behind this thing and better be doing it right. That's, I mean, that's the thing about, you know, if your car breaks down, you pull off the side of the road. Your engine in a, in a plane breaks down. And you've got whatever your glide ratio of your plane is to get yep. down and find a place to land. Yeah. So in general, airplane engines are more reliable than car engines? I would say yes. Simpler because of that? Sturdier. Sturdier. And they don't make as much power. Over-engineered. For displacement. Ah, they're not okay. as stressed. Yeah, they're not as, a, yeah, as efficient but, per yeah, pound or whatever. Well, the overhaul life of the O three hundred, I think, is 2,000 hours. And that's 2,000 hours based on maximum RPM. Okay. 
redline RPM, which you're, which you're never going to do. So when I reduce the power, when I level off to 65%, the tachometer starts to read that 65% reduction. So at full power, uh, you know, every hour is an it's hour. It's one to one, yeah. But after that. The 65%, is it a curve ratio down or is it 65%? Is it just 65 you know, uh, you see what I'm saying? Like, it is drops it, off pretty quick. Once you start pulling the RPM back, the horsepower goes down pretty quick. You could run forever yeah. at, at, a, at, a, at a low, at a lower RPM. Yeah. And the airplane thing, it's like, yeah, I, I get it. You, you never feel nervous up there. I don't feel nervous up there. I can feel nervous before. When I yeah. shove the throttle up at Smith in the middle of the night when there are no lights and it's dark. Yeah. When I shove the throttle up, I'm on automatic. I'm right. not scared anymore. Right. You've done this a thousand times. I I, I know what's going to happen if the engine quits on takeoff. Yeah. yeah. I have a plan. It's yeah. not going to be good. Right. I'm going to smash that airplane. Yeah, but hopefully you'll survive. Yeah. If, if, for us lay people out there who get on an airplane like I'm going to get on tonight that flies, you know, is in the air 20 hours a day. You know, because that's pretty much like probably the ratio that these things are actually flying, right? When possible. Yeah, sure. The more I fly, the more money they make. Right. Should I trust the mechanics? Are they good? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, statistically, they are. Yep. But then you sit there and you stare and you go, this thing's flying all the time. Yeah. They're not overhauling these engines every whatever it is. They're doing what they got to do to get them back in the air. Yeah. I think I think one of the engines on the twin otter we had was a record like 25,000 hours i think been going that's incredible 25,000 hours that's, that's basically flying for 3 years nonstop yeah that's crazy they just keep it going yeah yeah, yeah. And, and those hours are actually based on actual flight time right they don't use a well the, the little airplane uses a recording tachometer Okay. So like I was saying, if you ran that engine at 100% power for 2,000 hours, the tack would reflect that. Yeah. But it's all based on tack time. Okay. Yeah, how long it's revving and for how high yeah. it's revved. Yeah. And, and, and who, who watches that? Is that an FAA thing? Oh, yeah, you got to watch it. Um, it. It's everything in the logbook entries is done on tack time. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's like an odometer for a plane. Yeah, it is. So when I change the oil in the engine, I record tack time that I did the oil change at. Yeah, yeah. And I, sometimes I notice you pulling out your logbook. You're obviously, I've watched you do your, pay your bills. You're very fastidious with paperwork. Are there some people who are less fastidious with their logbooks? Yeah, I put in entries I probably don't have to put in there. Like, it was a beautiful day where I got beat up as rough, very rough air. Yeah, but f- stuff for you to read years later and remember that day or whatever. Read, yeah. 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 But that's the idea that if in the case of something happening, somebody can go back and look at the records of the thing. Yeah. You know, there's regulations. I can't take anybody up with me until I've done at least three takeoff and landings in the last 90 days. I can't fly at night with someone unless I've done three takeoff and landings at night in the last 90 days. Oh. So there are regulations you have to pay attention to. Yeah. And they'll come after you, obviously, if you violate that. Yeah. But but like boating, once you get up there, it's a little bit of a free-for-all. Sure. I've known people that didn't have a license. Yeah. And most of those guys are quite old now, and they're gone, so there's no way they can be prosecuted. Yeah, old-timers. I have flown with old-timers that, you know, had no license. Yeah. 
people that were physically unable to pass a physical exam. Taken off in an airplane. Yeah. That's insane. And I trust them with my life as I know them. Yeah, yeah. And they've been doing it for 50 years, and they've... I've flown in many home belts that this guy built. And I said, you know, why don't you have a license? He said, look at me. He says, I'll never pass a physical. Yeah, yeah. Extremely overweight. Sure. But he made great airplanes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they know how to build. Yeah. The, when you're up in the air and you see, like, a helicopter there, is it weird having a helicopter? Because they go so slow or they can just hover. You can't, you have to be going 60, 80 miles an hour and even just to stay in the sky. Yeah, you'd be going about 54 miles an hour, yeah. Right. So so it's it's, it's got to be weird to see a helicopter go by or go in the other direction. It's just kind of sitting there hanging out. Yeah, well, yeah. Mary and I went into Rockland, Maine once, and there was a Bell Jet Ranger that we passed. Yeah. They were faster than he is. Yeah. It's kind of odd. And those those are like the ones they use for like rescue helicopters. Yeah, stuff, he right? was on the ground long before I ever did because I had to go out and fly a pattern and everything. He just flew in and landed. He just went in and landed. You ever <clears> fly a helicopter? I've never <clears> flown a helicopter. Would you want to? I looked into it. That's a whole other level, right? It's, it was you know. $250 an hour. Just to run it. Yeah. $250 an hour for this guy to give me a lesson. I go, you know, that's a lot of money. 40 hours. Oh, it's forty hours for that too. Yeah. Yeah. So you're spending ten grand just to get just to get your license. Yeah. Which isn't the end of the world. But if you the were helicopter itself is very expensive to own and operate. Sure. The maintenance on is killer, because everything there is turning and has to keep turning. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've been up in them before, though. No, I don't think I've ever been in a helicopter. Oh, interesting. Okay. Never been in a helicopter. Yeah, my mother uh, took one recently. Like I was telling you, up in up in Nepal. Yep, and I, I man, I'd find that scary somehow. I don't know. There's something about them that I think it's because everything's got to keep turning, yeah. or else they just kind of they're just a rock in the sky. Yeah, if you want to go on YouTube, there's just hours and hours of helicopter crashes. Really? Oh yeah. YouTube yeah. is a dangerous thing. Sometimes you get lost down in that thing. <laughs> yeah, you see the tail rotor stop turning. Yeah, and then it just spins. And starts spinning. Yeah. Yeah. Is it funny how that tail rotor's got to keep? And I like the new ones that don't even have a tail rotor. They just have like a gyroscope in the back. Oh, you know, a, like an enclosed thing. Yeah, it's a fenestron. It's a fan. Oh, is that is it in there? It is a fan. Oh, okay. There's multi blades. Oh. It's a fan. So where's the where's the output going out? I, I never even noticed. It's like, like a shrouded propeller, but there's a lot of little propellers. Oh, a that's around. what's in there. The shroud makes it very efficient, and it makes it much safer. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But that has to keep turning. And the, oh, I can't even think now what the hell it's called. Uh, oh, I think Hughes made it for a while. They still may make it. It's a, it uses a fan, blows down the length of the uh, fuselage there. It comes out. Out the back. Doors out the back of it, yeah. So there is no tail rotor. No yeah, yeah. tire, they call it. Man, the, the, these engineers who are building this stuff are just unreal. Smart people, you know. But with with that system, you don't need the long drive shaft and the gearbox way back there and a tail and everything yeah. else. Yeah. Now you're going to retire in a couple of years. Yep. What are you going to do? Are you going to build that airplane? Yeah. Probably going to go up and uh, work at my friend's airport. Is there anything else you've ever wanted to do in that industry that you that you plan to do? No, I think I I might start building up broken airplanes at my house. Yeah. 
going to have to build a bigger garage. I'm building another garage, yes. Yeah, there's yeah. a big space to work in. With a uh, with a lift for vehicles. Oh, really? Okay. But enough room that I can build what I want to build. My friend has a, uh, a project for me. It's exactly what I want. A Piper Pacer uh, with sticks in it, not the control wheels. Yeah. And it's going to get the modded lengthened wing. And it's going to get uh, vortex generators. And it's going to get some big tires. And I'm going to fly around the country and land at uh, grass and gravel strips. How, how, wait, how, how, what's your range on, on the Cessna you got now? Uh, a lot more than you want to. Um, that you did want to sit inside of it. Yeah, you don't want to sit in much more than four hours, but it has gas. Right, so you could get down to Teterboro to see us. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In a single hop, yeah. Yep. Get down to D.C. in a single hop? Uh, Close six, to it? I don't know. What is that, 400 miles? Yeah, Something easy. like that? Yeah. Really? It's funny. You don't think about a little plane being able to go that far. Yeah, there's a lot of gas in there. It's 40 gallons of gas. Yeah. It's like when you, think, when you think about these planes that are up in the air, these, you know, seven, triple sevens and stuff, up in the air for 22 hours. Sure. Yeah. How the hell did they go all the way around the world and they don't have to land for 22 yeah. hours? Well, yeah, they have a 747 SP, which means special performance, and they can fly for 20 hours or whatever. It's insane. <clears throat> Direct from, what, San Francisco to uh, Kuala Adelaide or, or something? Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's a long ways. Uh, we should probably get me to the airport. Okay. Uh, thanks, Paul. You're welcome, Bill. We'll talk to you later. Okay. The, my instructor shuts off the gas engine quits. He says, now what are you going to do? I rock the wings and look around and say, I'm going to land right there. And he says, okay, set it up for landing. So I set it up, and it's looking really good. Yeah. I said, yeah, he says, I think you'll make it. He says, okay, let's, let's go. So he puts the power to it. I have full flap selected. He moves the selector up to zero, and they don't move. Uh-oh. That's not good. Cessna 150 doesn't fly good on a hot day with uh, one big guy and me in there. Right. And it just about all it can do to fly in ground effect. So we come on down into this guy's field, and we're flying up the field at about, I don't know, six or eight feet, yeah. flying in ground effect. And he's over there fiddling with the flap lever all the way down, all the way up to zero, trying all to the way to... trying to get the flaps to come up. And I go, you know, um, Gene, there's a farmhouse up here. And says, we're heading right for it. Yeah. And I'm looking, I'm going, and he goes, oh, go through there, go fly out through that, out to the next field. So I rack the airplane around, and I look out the window, and there's this lady in her kitchen probably looking out the window looking at me. <laughs> go by her farmhouse. She's like, what the? So we go out into the other field. I just remember looking at her face yeah. <laughs> as we shoot out through this little narrow opening into another field. And finally, he figures out that the zero-degree microswitch is broken, and the flaps are never going to go up to zero, but they will go up to 10. Okay. So I'm nursing the airplane along. He's moving the flaps up, and finally we clear the trees and back to Brutland. See, these are the scary things that would make me go, I'm never getting in an airplane again. <laughs> that was just one of the many stories I can tell you. <laughs> <clears throat> but what he used to do... 
I love the guy too. He was really good. But what he used to do is uh, throw my attention out the window and he shut the gas off. So they'd run for a while from the gasoline and the carburetor before yeah. they quit. Yeah. And the engine would quit. And he'd go, all right, now what are you going to do? Turn the gas back on. Just go, messing no, with you. No, no, no. <laughs> Just messing with you. Yeah.